You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JasonCouch.com, and we are not going to waste any time. We are going to get you right into part two of our sit-down with Scott McCarver of Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, where we discuss the Blue Jay batters and some positional battles that are going to take place heading into the season starting right now. All right. Talking with Scott McCarver of Sportsnet, the legend gracing the Locked On Blue Jays airwaves. Scott, I think it's time we talk Blue Jays. I think it's time we give the people what they want. So <laughs> I, I, I do want to let's let's start with uh, let's start with the batting perspective, because it seems pretty ironclad, at least at least the way the front office attacked the offseason it seems like they have a great idea of who they want in the majors with Toronto this season and you know kind of kind of addressed it like that I mean we don't have to talk about the catchers I think Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire are set in stone and I don't think we need to talk about Reese McGuire anymore for a little bit but why did something happen <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked my Dollarama security cameras yet, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I I kind of want to focus actually. Um, let's start on the infield because there is a there is a question of one position there. I mean, like I said, Vlad Junior is going to play third. Bo Bichette's going to play shortstop. Kevin Biggio is going to play second. I mean, that's again that seems pretty set and pretty logical. I do want to talk about first base, though. And I I know the front office brought in Travis Shaw and is hoping for that kind of bounce-back season from him. But it also looks like they're trying to get a kind of bounce-out of Rowdy Tellez. How do you think having Shaw there, is it going to be able to draw any of the kind of p- true power potential that people saw in Rowdy Tellez? Or are, are we just going to see Travis Shaw as, as that kind of backstop and see Rowdy start sliding into that bench role. Yeah. I, I'm always hesitant. I, I just think Travis Shaw's at a point here where he's, he's got to show them something this spring because last year was just such a nightmare. Hmm. And yet this is a guy, this is a guy who has hit for power um, in a league, of course, that almost entirely hits for power now. Mm. But he is a guy who can hit his share of home runs. And I always come back to Ross Atkins and his appreciation for versatility. Mm. And in in this day and age, and, and, and they've given Rowdy Tellez a, a lot of rope. And, and I would like to work out for Rowdy as much as the next guy or the next girl. So... This is just how I see it. Rowdy Telez is the type of player uh, in a league where first basemen are hitting 25 to 30 home runs. Rowdy Telez is the type of guy who needs to hit 40. Hmm. And, 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 and only because, I mean, he is positionally isolated. He is a first 
baseman. Um, a big part of that is the fact that he throws left-handed, so there aren't a lot of options for him. And his body, um, even if he did throw right-handed, wouldn't allow him to move around much. Travis Shaw is a guy who could play a little second base, uh, maybe even some third in a pinch. He's a left-handed bat, so he offsets, say, like a Brandon Drury, who will be your right-handed guy. And, you know, we'll start throwing some more names around because they will have that extra roster spot. 25 becomes 26 this year. Um, but I think if Travis Shaw looks good in in spring training, um, he, he will very much get an opportunity. And... You know, Rowdy, Rowdy's going to have to show more than he did last year. Uh, because remember as well, like that designated hitter spot, that can float. And, and that can be something that you use over the course of uh, a week to get three or four regular position players off their feet for a day. Um, we saw with Vladdy load management last year. He, he's come to camp in better shape. So... Uh, but we'll see him do a little DHing. There will be a day here and there, not many, but there will when 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 Bo Bichette, uh may be uh, the DH. Uh, so so I would like Travis Shaw to bounce back because it it becomes, I mean, it is a zero risk signing, but it becomes a nice reward signing if if it works out. And you correct me if I'm wrong because I'm I'm going off the top of my head here and and um, mm-hmm. I'm 40 now so I'm I'm uh, my my short term memory is evaporating it happens trust me uh, is is Travis Shaw controlled through the end of 2021 if the Jays tender him does he have an arbitration eligible season left oh. or is he a straight up free agent regardless after 2020 I could go to Baseball Reference here if no. we don't know that I but, but I, I am w- already there. He is our eligible okay. in 2021, so he was non-tendered okay. by Milwaukee. Um, so he does have right. that year. Okay, so so they've got him for two years. Hmm. Um, if he has a nice, they've got him under control for two years, as as we talked today. Um, if he has a nice season and they decide to tender him, um, so so I, I think there's, you know, if if, if he bounces back and uh, you know looks like the player the Brewers had two three years ago. Uh, I think he's a contributor here with that with that left-handed bat, and he offers a little bit more flexibility than a Rowdy Telez does. I root for Rowdy. I've had a couple of good conversations with him, uh, but I would be lying if I said AJ that you know I'm overly enamored with him as a player. I'm I'm just not. Mm. That that does seem to be the case around like like obviously people love the name. They they do love you know I'm I'm not sure if it's just the fascination with the big guys in baseball who stick it out stick the gut out there and just just whack home runs and yeah like you said rowdy doesn't do that enough and he he misses a lot so i i can agree with what you're saying and that he he does have to show out and if travis shaw ends up showing out instead it's going to be a long season for him but i i guess he can fall into that matt stairs role eventually but you know, you don't want to be Matt Stairs for your whole career. You want to have at least that little bit of starting time. Matt Stairs got starting time back when he was younger. This seems like a good time for our Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commish. And since we talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on yesterday's episode, I figured we would take another look 
at a member of the Blue Jays infield who's kind of stepping up and going to be expected to perform in a full season, and that's Bo Bichette. Now, from a fantasy perspective, if you check the shortstop rankings, Bo Bichette is actually ranked in about 11th or 12th, so that leaves him about 69th overall, about one round after Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he does have a lot of room to grow. He only appeared in 43 games last season and still hit 11 home runs, so you project that out. That's a 30-home run guy at shortstop, so... You you have that going. You have the three eleven batting average that again, even if you take into account some some drop off over a full season, it's still gonna be what, two ninety, two eighty. And he, Charlie Montoyo said he's going to be batting leadoff, so that's even more at bats for Bo and, and a chance to use his speed as well. He stole four bases in, in those forty six games he played. But he can probably do more. So I do like Bobachet to outperform his expected average draft position. I I would actually consider taking Bobachet ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at this point. I think the production is there, and I think you're gonna be happier with the floor you get from Bo. And that was the Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commish. What are you doing for the game? It's a universal question. Whether you're a casual follower, you tweet every single thing you see, you're diehard, you're just getting into the game, you love your stats, you love your smack talk, you love your food, you couldn't care less about any of it, or you make everything a competition. Y'all have a place in the sports world, because that's what makes sports good. Everyone is welcome. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. They match managers to leagues as they lay the foundation for your new competition, and it's easy as just signing up with your preferences. You, you get matched based on that. You approve of any match before you have to make a commitment and sign up for a whole league. And right now, if you sign up by February 29th with League Commission, you'll receive 15% off by entering the code Locked On in the referred by section of the sign-up form. So what are you doing for the game? You gotta find your next fantasy sports league at LeagueCommish.com. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's let's move on to the outfield because that's that's where all the attention is when it comes to position players on the Blue Jays. And I I fielded a lot of questions, you know, why why the Blue Jays didn't go and get an outfielder. Yasiel Puig is sitting there. Why isn't he signed? And hey, second Yasiel Puig reference in as many <laughs> days. So that's that's for you, Sean. Um, but again, it seems like the Blue Jays are content, at least for now, to go into the season and just try and figure out what they have in in those three guys who are going to be competing for that right field slot every day. That's Teoscar Hernandez, Derek Fisher, and Anthony Alford. And I'm I'm just wondering if you see any of those guys actually making 
the necessary jump to be able to grab a hold of that spot the same way that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. grabbed left field and the same way that Randall Grichuk's essentially been handed center field. So, Well, I- Randall Grichuk, let's start with Grichuk for just a second. Grichuk, Grichuk's moving to center field because, because his bat uh, just isn't, isn't good enough to play right. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and I think that they feel he can defend center field well enough and all of a sudden being, you know, uh, a replacement level, uh, war, um, oh, actually the, you know what I screw that. I'm not even going to try to justify it. <laughs> Randall, Randall Grichuk had a dreadful year last year. Okay. Hmm. And, and, uh, let me, let me be very clear about how I feel about this. Could you show up before June, please? Hmm. Not right. concept. Um, April and April and May. April and May. They're months in the season too, and and quite frankly, I defended the contract when they signed it because I matched up his his annual WAR, and he's kind of in that one to one five range. And I said, well, if WAR is valued at eight million dollars per victory per win, um. Or is it up closer to ten now? To pay, it seems to fluctuate. Mm. Then, then, then paying this guy about half of his contract's value um, in the first two years of the deal, such that his AAV over the final three years of the five-year contract is less than ten million dollars. That makes him more tradable, etc. It doesn't look like a bad trade, or excuse me, a bad contract. Well, after signing the contract, he went out and he didn't do anything. And you can't have a right fielder who offensively doesn't do anything. And I know somebody's going to yell at me on Twitter and say, this is a guy who can get red hot, and he'll hit eight home runs in the span of two weeks, and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Randall Bridget can hit the home runs. I'm not debating that. What else does he do? And so I think he's in center field now because they feel like he can defend that adequately enough that it is a less offensively demanding position. It is some of his, some of what he isn't so good at doesn't stick out quite like the sore thumb it is if he's playing center field and not right field where you traditionally want um, not just pop but, but a more well-rounded um, hitter. You know, center field has been a place for speed, a guy who can hit at the top of the lineup, get on base. Grichuk, I mean, doesn't get on base enough. I mean, doesn't take any walks. Mm. So there's that. Then when you deal with right field, um, you know, they love Teoscar's potential. And I've said this, and I'm not alone, um, there are times when the sound of the baseball coming off of Teoscar Hernandez's bat is different than the sound coming off of a lot of other bats from most other major league players. But you know what? there wasn't near enough of that sound last year. Mm. And at some, at some point, he wasn't barreling balls. And at some point, you are what you are, whether it is Teoscar, whether it is some kind of righty-lefty hybrid uh, out there, you know, does does Derek Fisher look good enough in spring that as a left-handed bat, he gets another sniff? Are they content with going uh, to Billy McKinney as, as their fourth outfielder? 
and a guy who may get some starts against right-handed pitching every now and then. But on most days, it's Guriel, Grichuk, Teoscar, um, left, center, right. Or does Anthony Alford finally stay healthy through camp, look really, really good, and actually get a legitimate shot? I mean, he's a guy we all root for. But at some point, A.J., we can't keep writing articles and can't keep espousing opinions about a guy that we think can be something. You've got to become something at some point. Mm. And for, for Alfred, is that health and the ability to play consistently? Um, is it that simple? Or is he just not what we really, really hope he will be because he's such a good guy? Like, we just find ourselves cheering for him because you'd love to have him around because he's a great dude. Mm. And I think that's that's the big thing. I I was uh, I was discussing this on Jay's From the Couch Radio earlier this week, which is definitely worth a check out, by the way. But, like, I, I was talking with Sean and Karen on there, and these seem almost stunned that, that I would think Teoscar has the best chance out of those three to kind of grab that. I mean, like, the the front office enamorment with Derek Fisher is well documented. I mean, you don't give up three players to an organization just to get this guy. But at, at the same time, I mean, Derek Fisher has proven to be a banjo hitter who just plays the one string over and over. I mean, you don't have a career batting average below 200 over three seasons where you've got like this is he's essentially played a full game season Derek Fisher at the major leagues 152 career games he's got a 191 batting average he's got almost his his strikeout total almost dwarfs his batting average and and not to say Anthony Alford's done much better in limited time at the major leagues I mean he's got he's a career 145 hitter Anthony Alford. So it's 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 more imperative on both of them, I think, to show up because I think Teoscar's safe. I mean, I I think the Blue Jays would keep Teoscar Hernandez even as just a DH, just just for the sound of the ball hitting that bat, like you pointed out, Scott. Just how how he manages to do that. And I've had people asking me, you know, why. Like I said, they didn't get Yasiel Puig, or why don't they trade for Jock Peterson? And, you know, I, I guess my question is, what would be the point of that right now? Because, like, they they have this time to figure out what they have in these guys who don't have options. So why wouldn't they just wait until July if they really want to make that move? Yeah, it's... um you're still here at a point where you're trying to find some things out. You're trying to find some things out about the players. This is a team that we would like to consider being a a finished product. Um, It's not. And, And they do have, they do have some holes out there in the outfield, you can, um, I think, track Mark Shapiro's and Ross Atkins' comments, um, especially more recently, but even even going back more than a year, that they will look for opportunities 
to upgrade. I mean, Derek Fisher cost them um, a, a reliever with a weird personality and and a, and a starting pitcher uh, whose relationship with the franchise was so badly fractured that there was no going back. And, um, you know, and, and sadly Aaron Sanchez is going to miss this year with the shoulder stuff that, that's, that's been going on. Um, so they take a flyer on, on, on this Fisher guy in the same way that they took a flyer on Socrates Brito because they're trying to run in, they're trying to run into a situation like, and I, these are extreme examples, but you know the the Jose Bautista reclamation or the Edwin Encarnacion reclamation. Like if you find a guy and he becomes something, um, it's a pretty nice feather in in your cap. As for uh, the Puigs and and the Peterson types of the world, I I thought Jock Peterson would be. Um, Interesting to sniff around after the deal uh, between the Dodgers and and Angels fell through uh, because that is a left-handed bat. That is a guy with some pop. Now, he is strictly, strictly a guy who hits right-handed pitching. I mean, the Dodgers have no interest in in starting him lefty on left, but that's okay considering some of the other pieces the Blue Jays have. But I think when you look at it, AJ, and I would say even for the starting rotation, um, the the, you know, the bullpen is um, a conversation um, as well that we could have in this vein. I mean, they're not there yet. Uh, they aren't there yet. And and people who think that they're going to compete for a wild card spot uh, this year, I think, are being overly optimistic. And so. Uh, if Alfred gets a sniff because he stays healthy um, and, 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 and produces, or if Teoscar Hernandez finds it really early in the season and carries that to a 30-home run campaign and looks somewhat functional in, in right field, uh, which he did not in left and, and had challenges in center uh, at times. Like if, if I, I think they're still trying to find some things out about some people. Mm. Um, and because they're not a finished product, they're able to do that. Yeah. Um, final question then on the batters. How many times and am I going to make puns with Joe Panic's name this season? Because <laughs> it, it seems like, and, and I'm going based off uh, Shai Davidi's reporting, Panic is actually a really good bet to make this team. And he's he's almost like bargain basement Travis Shaw in that he he had an all-star caliber year and then just started falling off. Um is is he the guy that allows for that extra flexibility that the Blue Jays are kind of looking for out of their guys with you know the chance to potentially be someone who can conceivably get on base which seems to be a problem for this Blue Jays team yeah um, that's what I love so much about Kevin Biggio it's like hey if you mm. could just get your batting average to 250 your OBP would be at 375 380 um, you know with panic I, I when they signed him I did what a lot of other people do because um, I'm not going to lie and say that I watched a lot of Giants games or tracked him closely um, 
you know, in the last little while. Um, the OPS plus, the weighted runs created plus number just, like, like it just glared at me. Yeah. Um, and my deduction from that, um, having not watched Joe Panic play very much, um, and really being more familiar with him from the 2014 World Series team when he was just a kid, because <laughs> um, uh, the Giants haven't been very good the last few years, uh, but my deduction was is that this guy doesn't really hit much, like at all. Mm. So, again, it is, um, but then but then my follow-up sentence, I say to myself, because I talk to myself a lot, is um, there's nothing there's nothing to worry about here. There's no risk. There's yeah. potential reward with no risk. In the very same way um, that Travis Shaw uh, is 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 that, and and it's different with Panic because he's not even on the forty man roster. I mean, he could be he'd be playing in Buffalo on opening day, and 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 you know you'd be okay with that, and uh, he'd know that would be part of the deal if he if he doesn't perform in camp. So. Um, he is the type of guy who will get some reps with the Blue Jays this season. I don't think there's any question about it. We can never assume stasis. We also know, AJ, that the opening day lineup can change two days later. Mm. Um, somebody can go, uh, you, you know, somebody can, can go down to injury, um, or it can change 11 days later once the 10-day uh, option window uh, to start the season uh, evaporates and you can bring somebody up. Like, uh, I do think Joe Panic will get a chance as long as he uh, is performing well wherever he is, whether that's in major league at bats in spring training, or whether that is is at Triple A Buffalo. Should he start there, uh, if he's performing well early in the season, he'll he'll be on the radar for a call up. Eric Sogard 2.0, here we come. That's that's what I. Hey, heard. you know what? You could do a lot, you do a lot worse. You do a lot worse than what Eric Sogard gave this team. Uh, you know, while he was here. Like, when they picked him up off the scrap heap, it's like, okay, the fact that they turned him into an asset. Now, that asset may never be anything. Hmm. But the fact that they turned him into an actual breathing human being uh, (laughs) in a return, in a trade with the Rays, was more than any of us, I think, would have anticipated when they first brought him in. Not one, but two living, breathing humans. Yes, good point. One of them them Canadian, so that's, that's added bonus. For that. Wave the flag. <laughs> <laughs> All we can do is wave the flag on the Locked On Blue Jays podcast. And we will continue to do so on tomorrow's episode where we wrap up with Scott McCarfer. We're going to be talking Blue Jays pitching and we go pretty in depth on it. So it is going to be the longest of the three episodes. Just a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. You can follow Scott McCarfer at Scotty Mac. Thanks. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, however you get them. You can subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't miss a daily episode. And follow the podcast at Locked on Jays on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will be right back at you tomorrow with the crowning episode of the trilogy with Scott McCarver. So until then, for everyone at the Locked on Podcast Network and everyone at JaysFromTheCouch.com, I'm A.J. Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.